Good morning, CLC, and welcome to our Sunday morning service. Today's passage comes from Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of the Herod the king, behold, the Magi's from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who had been born the king of the Jews? For we have seen the stars in the east and come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people. He inquired about them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of the Judah. Far from you will come forth a ruler who will be shepherds, my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi's and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent to them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report back to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their ways. And behold, the star which had seen in the east went on ahead of them until they came to a stop over the place where the child was to be found. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and fell down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented to him the gift of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, last week, while touching, teaching the youth, I found some misunderstanding that the youth had about the nativity scene, and maybe some of you are too. Now, first, there were three gifts presented to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but there were probably a large entourage of these magis along with even a small army that accompanied them. Now, can you go back to Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, as we read, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Now, something had made King Herod nervous, as verse 3 mentions, that he was disturbed, or in literal translation, got paranoid. And the three dudes on a camel probably would not have done this, but for a whole caravan, certainly. So there were three gifts, not three magis, and theologians speculate that there were maybe a few hundreds. Second to note that these magis were not kings, but rather they were king makers. These magis, also translated as the wise men from last week's message, were a group associated with the priestly caste of Medes, and they were often sought up by king for wisdom for counsel, hence the name wise men. And lastly, these magis didn't show up on one day or on the day or the night that Jesus was born, but that they had came sometimes later, as far as up to two years after Jesus' birth. Would you go with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse 16? Then Herod saw that he had been tricked by the magis. He had been enraged, sent men, and killed all the boys who were in Bethlehem, in all the vicinity who were two years old or younger, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi's. Now, this verse from Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, reveals that when King Herod heard, realized the Magi's had not returned to tell him the exact location of where Christ was, then he ordered every child two years old and younger to be murdered. Henceforth, that Jesus was about two years of age when the Magi visited him. So next time when you set up your nativity scenes, 
You might want to move the wise men like 10 blocks away from your house if you want to be accurate because it actually took them a while to find Jesus. Now, regardless of when they came or how many of them were there were, they had brought gifts, three gifts to be exact. And during this Advent season, we're asking all of you to answer this very question. What gifts are you willing to give to Jesus? Now, your gifts may not be extravagant or lavish like the ones the Magi gave to Jesus. But think about what is the best gift you can give that will be worthy of who he is, our Savior, a King, and a High Priest. Now, you see the gifts that the Magi gave weren't just costly or expensive, but they were actually emblematic of the roles that Jesus would play and to perform in a later in life. The first gift, the gift of gold that Pastor Eric mentioned two weeks ago, symbolized that Jesus was the king. And that's exactly what the, uh, the wise men said when they were looking for Jesus. Look at verse 2 again. Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? Then last week, Caitlin talked about the gift of frankincense. And we learned that frankincense was a substance that was used by the priests in the temple in Jerusalem and how Jesus was to perform a priestly function and to become a mediator between us and God. And today, we're going to be talking about the third gift, the gift of myrrh. Now, have you ever received a strange or an unusual gift from someone, and upon receiving it, you go, what is this? Now, two Wednesdays ago, during a white elephant at our Oakland Hills home group, um, my my wife was telling me to go for the biggest box, but I kind of didn't listen. So I, I opened the middle mid, mid, medium sized box. When I was given a box, and when I opened it, it was full of old eighty CDs. Now it, it's something that I've never would have expected, and in that box, I actually found an old CD of my one of my favorite group, the Oingo Boingos. Now, upon seeing that CD, it brought nostalgic memories when I was in high school. And I lied to my parents that I was studying for a test in the library and that I actually went to their concert. So when I opened this box, I immediately said, who in the world would give away their old CDs? Now, that's exactly what the gift of myrrh was because myrrh, was an embalming fluid for the dead, certainly inappropriate for a two-year-old. A car seat, a pacifier, or some toys, yes, but an embalming fluid for the dead, certainly not. Now, the word, the Hebrew word for myrrh is actually more, and it was actually first used in women as a beauty treatment. In the book of Esther, before Esther becomes the queen, she was brought before the king in Esther chapter 2, verse 12. It says, Each young woman's turn came to go into King Azurus after she had completed 12 months of preparations. Now, here it is. Six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes in preparation for beautifying this woman. So it, it was like this ultimate spa experience that lasted a year. How's that for a treatment? Six months with myrrh. So, the first thing that was used in the Bible, it was used as a beauty product. 
The second usage, it was used as a perfume. If you read in Psalm 45, 8, notes that the king's garment were scented with myrrh and aloe and cassia. The third usage, it was used as an analgesic. It was used as a painkiller. It took away people's pain. And if you read in Mark chapter 15, verse 23, it says they gave Jesus wine mingled or mixed with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. You see, when Jesus was on the cross and that he was dying from the most excruciating death, the Roman soldiers offered him wine with myrrh to deaden his pain. Now, you guys know that I'm the biggest chicken in the world. Now, when I'm sick, I I pop Advils like Skittles. But what I find interesting is that Jesus refused to take myrrh. It it is as if he saw the importance the sacrificial lamb taking on the sins of this world to feel every ounce of pain. And so he refused to have that pain didn't. And the fourth usage was for antiseptic. Still in many parts of the world today, it is used in mouthwashes, toothpastes, and they say it is, it is also used to prevent Combs diseases. So sort of myrrh is like dentist's best friend. And the last usage, and this is the most important and germane to the today's text. It was used as an embalming fluid. It was used to treat the dead. Now, after Jesus' death at his burial in John chapter 19, verse 39 to 40, the Bible says he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who was earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus' body. The two of them wrapped it with spice and stripping linen, and this was in accordance with Jewish burial custom. Now, the reason they used it was for obvious reasons, because of the bodies. Once they corrupt, stink, and to mediate against the stench of the tomb experience, myrrh and aloe were used to encase the body. But here is what's so interesting about this gift. The same substance that was associated with Jesus' earlier life is also associated with end of Jesus' life. You see, Magi presented myrrh to him after his birth, and now myrrh is given to him and is used at his death. Why is this so emblematic? It is because in ancient times, the rabbis associated myrrh with sacrificial death, especially in the story of Abraham when he offered his son Isaac. Now, do you remember where? Yes, on Mount Moriah. And that very Hebrew word, more, has the same root word of the place where Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac on Mount Moriah, the mountain of myrrh. So to an ancient Hebrew rabbi, myrrh was immediately connected with deaths, especially the sacrifice of a father of his own precious son. Now, if you really truly understand the Advent story, you'll guess where I'm going with this The same mountain, Mount Moriah, where Abraham offered his son, is the same mountain where Jesus Christ would be sacrificed by his own father for the sin of the world. And so no wonder then that the ancient scholars regarded the gift of myrrh to the child Jesus as a prophetic of his death. Now, are you following this? 
If not, I want you to picture this for a moment, that you're Joseph or Mary, and these people, I mean, a lot of these people start to knock on your door one day. You get a knock on the door, and you open the door. It's like the whole army, the people from the east are standing in front of your door. And everybody in this town is going like, what's going on? What is happening? And what's going on here? And start to ask questions. Why are these people at your house, Mary and Joseph? And then begin to see. I I see that they have brought some gifts for you. Oh, 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 I see some gold. And and you're just almost embarrassed because you have all these bling-blings in front of you. You have never seen this kind of a lavish gift. But once you have received it, you receive it graciously. Then they gave you the frankincense. And when you understand that being a Jewish male or a female, you know that it's associated with priesthood. Now then, they pull out the last gift. And you don't know what to say. Oh my, an embalming fluid. How lovely. Thank you. As Joseph and Mary begins to wonder, hmm, why more? Yes, I know it is used as a beauty treatment or a perfume, but now it is principally used to treat the dead. Now, at first, Mary starts to scratch her head. Um, Then all of a sudden, she remembers that very visitation from angel Gabriel and the prophecy. Mary, you who is a virgin will have a child, and you will call him his name, Jesus, because... He will save his people from their sin. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. Now, you begin to wonder, how would he save people from their sins? How? He would save the people from their sin by going to the place where myrrh was used the most, that place of death. And this was so prophetic of this child who is of two years old. And then you begin to realize that this child would die by carrying the world's sin. And you begin to understand. And you begin to become emotional because this child will never be able to enjoy life's most privileges. People of God, no one is saved by Jesus' life or his examples or his words, but only by his death. You see, salvation only comes as you recognize Jesus took your place on that very cross and that he had died for you. Now, you can say, well, I know I've always liked the red letter of Jesus in the Bible. I like to meditate upon his words, and I feel so good whenever I do. Or, I've always seen Jesus as a wonderful example of a human beings, and I aspire to live by his examples. Well, good luck. Because salvation only comes through his death. Now, for the last 20 minutes or so, I built up a case for the significance of this precious gift. And yet, some people still choose to reject this free gift. Now, do you remember what I said last year's on Christmas service? I I said, this gift is a gift. This gift means it's a gift. Now, those of us who grew up in the church, we've heard this all of our lives. Now, God came out of heaven to this earth. He was born in a manger, grew up, died on a cross, and rose from the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I know that God loves me. Yeah, I get that. It means that you and I can be forgiven. Cool. Yeah, I've heard this before. It means that you can live forever. Great to know. Ah, but in order for you to enjoy or to know what this very special gift means to you, you have to receive it. You see, this gift has to be opened. Now, let me finish with this thought. The Christmas story we're ever so familiar with, we we know about the manger and the nativity scenes. We know about the shepherds. We we know about the singing angels and a bunch of wise men bringing three gifts. But do you really, really know the rest of the story? And the rest of the story is that this child was the only person who ever born with a distinct purpose for death. You see, that's the part that most people overlook during this or during the Advent season. You know, I can't believe that 2023 is slowly winding down and we'll be celebrating Christmas next Sunday. But I want us to reassure that if you overlook the cross and you only focus upon the manger scene, you will miss the goal of the manger. Unless you see the shadow of the cross falling on that very crib, you won't be able to understand the crib clearly at all. Because the purpose of that crib was the cross. You know, myrrh, like frankincense, is a resin that comes from a tree or a plant. It is very aromatic resin that comes from a reddish gum, from a low-lying, low-growing, thorny tree. But here is something that it is very, very important for all of us to know. Did you know that myrrh or more is a substance that gives away its best scent only when it is crushed? Ring a bell? In, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by whose wounds we are healed. Myrrh is a substance that gives off its best scent only when it is crushed. Now, in the beginning of my sermon, I mentioned a CD, a CD of a group that I really, really loved and follow, the Oingo Boingos. Now, in one of their songs... There's a song that it says, a dead man's party. You know, I realized when I came home and opened up the city, I realized during in the high school years, I was dead. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, it says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we are once lived in passions of our own flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were the nature children of wrath like the rest of the mankind. Ah, but God being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he has loved us so dearly, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we have been saved. Once again, 
you realize that this gift, this gift is a substance that gives off its best scent when it's only uncrushed, and that crush was the cross. Now, though it was an unusual gift for a child, myrrh given to Jesus reminds us of the greatest act of love ever shown, Jesus' sacrifice on that very cross. So, during this Advent season, I'm asking you, how will you share this truth with others? Let's pray.